NBA insider Mark Stein reports that interest level in Boyan Bogdanovich across the NBA remains high, but the Pistons have been reluctant to move off of him. Should the Detroit Pistons be looking to move off of their veteran? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Later on in the podcast, we'll talk about potential free agents, or not potential free agents, Free agents the Pistons have missed out on so far. One of the recent ones being someone I've seen a lot of Pistons fans uh, hoping the Pistons would be able to get for cheap. He is not going to Dallas. We'll talk about him signing with Dallas and just the other potential free agents that the Pistons could have had uh, that they're missing out on. Whether that whether Pistons fans should be upset about that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then lastly in the podcast, we'll talk about James Wiseman's summer league and what to expect from him or want to see from him in this summer league, him going into his fourth season uh, what should we want to see from him in summer league? We'll talk about that a little later as well. But we're going to start off with the Boyan Bogdanovich trade news. Um, Boyan has been in trade rumors for, I mean, it feels like since the Pistons acquired him, really, he's been in trade rumors. Um, and I thought that there was a good chance that he would be moved before the NBA draft for a first-round pick. Turns out the Pistons were able to get a first-round pick and get the guy that they wanted without having to move off of any players. They were able to just pack it to seconds and get up to 25 to get Marcus Sasser. So no need to really do that. So Boyan survived the NBA, the NBA draft. And now, what are we, like six days in the free agency now? NBA insider Mark Stein reported on his Substack that the interest level around Boyan Bogdanovich remains extremely high. I'll go ahead and read what he said <clears throat> in his Substack right here. External trade interest in Detroit's Boyan Bogdanovich remains high while the Pistons continue to insist that they are motivated to keep the veteran swingman. The Pistons' stance is routinely dismissed as posturing, but they certainly held firm at the trade deadline in February after months' worth of trade offers came in for the Croatian swingman. One thing that's clear here, no one out there seems terribly concerned about the Achilles injury that limited Bogdanovich to just three games after the All-Star break. The feeling is that the Pistons were merely being extra cautious since winning obviously wasn't the utmost priority for the team that finished with the league's worst record at 17-65. and 65. So, I like to hear the fact that Boyan Bogdanovich's Achilles um, may not be that big of an issue. I saw someone... Uh, at the end of last season, I saw people referring to it as a ticking time bomb. Um, I don't know if that was just trolling going on at the end of last season, um, but th- I'm happy to hear that his Achilles doesn't seem to be an issue uh, and that it was just the Pistons, you know, basically tanking. Um, but my thoughts on whether the Pistons, I want to give my thoughts, I should say, whether the Pistons should, should be looking to trade Boyan Bogdanovich. Yes, I, I th- I've I'm been in this camp. I'm going to continue to be in this camp until they do it or he just leaves. That the Pistons should be trying to trade Boyan Bogdanovich. They should trade Boyan Bogdanovich either for one assets is what I would do, some picks, a pick or two, trade him for something like that, or use him in a package to get a starting level four. Like that's what they, that's what they should be using. That's what they should be trying to do. 
I will stay in that camp until it happens or he just his contract expires. And here's the reasons why. Boyan's going to be 34 years old. Actually, he is 34 years old. And, he, again, he's only getting older. And even with Mark Stein saying, okay, the Achilles injury isn't too, uh, too worrying, once you get to this age, everything starts to get worrying. Everything could possibly be a worry at this age. So that, that's one reason. He had a really great season this past year. Capitalize on his on his on his capitalize on his value while it's there, while it's at this height. That's the first reason. Second, I truly believe this, and the numbers I'm about to read will back this up. That the Detroit Pistons, despite Boyan, what he brings offensively and what he brings offensively is great. He's a great shooter. He has a little bit more with the ball in his hands when it comes to self-creation than maybe we thought before he came to the Pistons. He is a good offensive player. However, at this point in his career, at 34 years old, and it's only going to continue to get worse, how bad he is on defense almost makes him a, a net neutral. And sometimes last year, it was, it was a net negative because his defense was just that bad. And the numbers back this up. Now, look, I'm going to say this like I do it before I read all these numbers. These numbers are not the end-all, be-all. But when they match the eye test, I mean, I'm going to feel pretty strongly about these. I've been saying this for a while. So, for example, let me read Boyan's on-offs. So, Boyan, when he's on the floor, offensively, they're a 111.3 offensive rating. That's the second most of any player on the Pistons that played meaningful minutes. First with Alec Burks. So, their offense, again, was really good. The difference between Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich is that when Alec Burks was on the floor, their defense was actually better by four points. So Alec Burks was a plus 10 in his minutes on the floor. Boyan had one of the worst defensive ratings on the team. On the entire team. Now, let me say this too. Their defensive rating as a team was 117.8. As a team, it was 117.8 defensive rating. Boyan, when he was on the floor, the team had a a defensive rating of 119.5. The only player who had a worse defensive rating that played over 1,000 minutes was Jay and Ivy. Worst was James Wiseman, but he only played six, 600 minutes, which maybe that is enough to feel some type of way about James Wiseman. But either way, Boyan was so bad defensively that despite the fact that the Pistons were 4.6 better with him on the floor offensively, he still ended up as an overall minus 0.4 on the floor. Now, I'm throwing a bunch of numbers at you guys, and some of you guys are probably like, oh, what, screw the numbers, what are you trying to tell us? Well, the numbers are saying, and I'm saying from my own eye test along with the numbers, is that I for real feel like that the Pistons could survive if they just plugged in someone else who may not be the level of shooter Boyan is, who may not be the level of straight-up scorer Boyan is, but provide spacing that also is a good connector offensively and is good defender, that that would be a, a bigger plus to the team than Boyan would because of how bad his defense is. And I don't care what lineup the Pistons try to throw out there, whether he starts at the three or the four, the Pistons don't have the defensive capabilities, the defensive personnel, to make up for Boyan's weaknesses. I mentioned this on either the last podcast or two podcasts ago. Everyone, I saw a few of you guys bring it up in the comments section that, oh, well, Boyan started at the four for Utah, it worked just fine, they had a great defense. Two things. One, he was younger, and two, he was playing against one of the best defenders we've ever seen in Rudy Gobert, who covered up all of their weaknesses. That's what made Rudy Gobert a multiple-time defensive player of the year. The Pistons don't got that. Not only do they don't got a, a center 
who can clean up everyone's mistake at the level of Rudy Gobert. They don't have great defenders next to Boyan at the two or the one or the three, whatever one you want to play them at. So I firmly believe I will stay in this camp until it either changes or he just leaves that the Pistons will be, would be better off. They, it would be a better plus for this team if they, and I, look, I'm going to throw this guy's name out. If they were to just start Isaiah Livers, like I feel like Isaiah Livers would provide more value, or not, let me not say more value. He would be a bigger plus to that starting lineup than Boyan would because he's a good defender. He's a good team defender. He's a smart defender. He's athletic. He can space the floor. He's not going to be able to do the stuff that Boyan can with the ball in his hands. But do you really want Boyan to be doing the stuff with the, he was doing with the ball in his hands last year when Cade comes back? No. What you really need next to Cade and Ivy, which is what I've been saying for weeks and months now, is that once Cade gets back, what you want next to Cade and Ivy are guys that connect the offense, can space the floor, or are great cutters, who are good secondary playmakers, and are good defenders on the opposite end of the floor, and are athletes. You don't need guys who are trying to take the ball out their hands that need to do stuff with the ball in their hands in order to be effective. That's not what you need. Now, if you can have guys who can break down and create off of uh, uh, secondary playmaking, that kind of stuff, great, which is what Asar Thompson, that's why I love Asar so much. He'll be great with that secondary playmaking. But my overall point is, is that you don't, you don't even, first of all, you don't even want Boyan to be having the ball in his hands like he did last year. You really want him to be an off-ball player. And does, does Boyan provide enough value as an off-ball player while being a, a, just a complete net negative defensively is that enough? Does he actually provide enough of a plus on your team to to decide to not trade him for a potential pick or two? No, I I think you do it. You have to trade him. I, that's what I would do. I'd be capitalizing on his value. That's just what I would do. And the longer he plays, we've seen this play out before. If the rumors are true and the reports are true, the Pistons were offered three first-round picks for Jeremy Grant by the Boston Celtics in their first year. They held on to him, refused to move him, and when they did eventually move on from him, they ended up trading him for a 2025 Milwaukee Bucks first-round pick. What's going to happen here, if the Pistons don't capitalize on Boyan's value and just hold on to him and hold on to him and hold on to him, I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction now that it's going to happen again, that his value will slip, and instead of getting what you could have got for him this past year or at the, or at the NBA draft or in this offseason, it will be less than what you trade for him in a few months or next offseason whenever you decide to trade him. I really would like the Pistons to manage their assets better and capitalize on their assets when they can. And I think this is a perfect scenario, especially because they've acquired a few other vets to make up for the vet presence. Joe Harris, Alec Burks, Monty Morris, they have vets. Joe Harris, if you just want a guy who can go out go out there and just shoot threes and might be a better team defender than Bo- Boyan, play Joe Harris. You brought that guy in, just have him spot up. Like, I think because of the acquisitions the Pistons have made, it makes not only makes Boyan expendable, it also should make you want to capitalize on his value more. But that, that's just how I feel about it. I, I don't think the Pistons are going to trade him at this point. I, I don't see it happening. I think they're just going to hold on to him. And you guys can bookmark this YouTube video. I said it with Jeremy Grant. You guys who are long-term listeners, I said this about Jeremy Grant. I was right. Go just bookmark this video. I'm going to make the prediction now that I believe in a few months from now, they'll eventually end up moving Boyan probably at the trade deadline or next offseason, and it'll be less than what we expected or what was reported that they were going trying to get now or last trade deadline because they, I, I just really hope that they capitalize on their assets right now. That's all I'll say. But that's all I've got with that. Let me know what you guys think about bo- trading Boyan Bogdanovich. 
comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukuhil. Oh, and lastly, my last point is, yes, Boyan will provide great value to another team that actually has functional defenders and vet defenders around him that can make up for it. He will provide a lot more value to contenders because they will have guys that can make up for his defense. The Pistons don't got that. They got a bunch of young guys trying to figure out how to play defense themselves. Plus, he's not a good defender at all. It's just I don't think it works. I, like, I understand what he brings offensively, but I think it overall doesn't outweigh the impact of his defense for this team. But, all right, that's all I've got. Um, when we come back, are the Pistons missing out on free agents they should have been going after? We're going to talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at BetterHelp.com and get on your way to being your best self. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. Everyone struggles with this throughout life. No one has all the answers, and everyone needs some help sometimes. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate through life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. If you're thinking of starting online therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suitable to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you're not vibing with the therapies you got and you want to try out a different therapist, you want to go a different route, BetterHelp is great for that. You can just switch the therapist just like that for no additional charge. BetterHelp is great with that. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp.com. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockdownNBA to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers at some point soon. We're at, I believe, 5.6 or 5.7 thousand uh, subscribers. So if you're listening to this, if you're listening on the podcast version, if you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't hit that subscribe button, please go over and hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to that 10K eventually. I'd really appreciate it. Or you guys can leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. I'm going to tease this for you guys real quick. In the next week, we are going to have some some pretty dope guests. If everything goes according to plan and everything smooths out how we have it planned, we're going to have a pretty dope guest on the podcast. It's going to be a really, really dope podcast. So stay tuned for that in the next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, as long as everything continues to go well, it's going to be pretty – you guys are going to really like it. So stay tuned for it, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but anyways, let's get to this topic. So it's, it's no mystery. It's no mystery. It's not a secret that the Detroit Pistons have not made any free agent signings. And it's been talked about a lot. I've talked about it on the podcast, the last two podcasts I've mentioned it. Uh, Pistons fans have been very, very, I'd say, loud about this, about this being something they're not happy with, it seems like. Um, and we've talked about it in the last podcast. The, Troy Weaver decided that if he wasn't going to be able to get Cam Johnson with, on a reasonable contract, or he'd overpay for Cam, but not too much of an overpay, it seems like they decided we're not going to overpay for the rest of these free agents because we don't think this free agent class is that great, and we don't want to overpay for mid, with, which I agree with. I agree with that. It seems like that some people in the last podcast confused what I was saying. I agree with that mentality. If you're not going to get your guys, 
don't then pivot to just spend money to spend money and overpay greatly on mid guys. I agree with that that strategy by Troy Weaver. And what I also agree with is then pivoting to using your cap space to get trades and absorb contracts to get picks. Now, I don't know if Joe Harris in two seconds is like the fact that you got him for nothing except $19 million of your cap space, you can argue about whether that's great value or not. Um, I would have, I mean, again, I'm not in the front office, so I can't sit here and say I would have liked a better offer. But the whole idea of taking a contract for picks, I can vibe with it. I, I wanted to see them find a way somehow to get like a first-round pick for a big contract. Um, but obviously that seems like that wasn't on the table. Either way, the whole idea of getting Joe Harris for two second-round picks, I vibe with it. I get that whole ideology. I was pushing that on the podcast for a while. I like it, okay? I'm cool with it. Then getting Monty Morris for nothing, having him eat some of the cap space, get a good veteran backup point guard. Again, the move in and of itself, I like it. Makes sense. I can vibe with it. However, I've said for a while that while these moves in and of itself are great value moves in a vacuum, you still haven't really addressed what this team's biggest issues were, which is why I wanted them to do something in free agency or in a trade, if you're going to use trades, to use trades to address those issues. And my two biggest issues was a starting power forward and defense on the wings. And outside of drafting a star Thompson and expecting a rookie to be great on defense instantly, which isn't that just doesn't happen, they haven't done that. I think their defense might have gotten worse, and they haven't addressed the starting power forward spot, which is why I believe, and this I think this is why some people, um, I was reading your guys' comments, I was reading some DMs, this is why I believe some people may have been getting a little confused about what I was saying last episode. Do I, I agree with the, the route that Troy Weaver took. I agree you don't overpay for mid-free agents. I agree with the idea of trading for contracts and getting picks back. The moves in a vacuum, I don't criticize. Because in a vacuum, it's a great value trade. You're not giving up anything but cap space. And you had to use cap space this summer anyways. So the value in a vacuum of the trades were good. However, they have not addressed defense and a starting power forward. So my question is, while these... While these trades are great value, do they actually fix the issues on your team? Are you just making good deals to make good deals? Or are you actually building a team that makes sense together? That's my question for it. It's not a question of whether the route of going for trades for the cap space was a smart idea. That's not what I'm questioning. It's questioning whether are you just making good deals to make good deals? Or do they make sense when building this roster together? I have questions with that because I think defense and the starting power forward position were my biggest my biggest uh, needs for this team. Anyways, I rambled for a minute there. That eventually gets us to this. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it eventually gets us here that Grant Williams, who was a guy I brought up on the podcast a few times, that could be a guy the Pistons could get for relatively cheap compared to the rest of the free agency market, a guy they could go get that could be the starting four who would play playoff basketball, who is a good three-point shooter, who is a good defender. You can play him at the forward position who doesn't need the ball in his hands at all, put him in the corner, he'll space the floor out, hit corner threes, and then play good defense on the other end of the floor. That was a guy that I thought if the Pistons missed on their top guys or weren't able to get like some big-time trade going, they could go after that dude. And I, there, I was holding out hope that maybe the Pistons could pull off a trade and move off Backley's contract, get enough cap space to dip back into free agency and try to get him. Well, that is no longer possible. Because he is going to the Dallas Mavericks in a, a sign-and-trade with the Boston Celtics. The Mavs are getting Grant Williams. Celtics will get, be getting multiple second-round picks. And the Spurs 
will be the Spurs, who are the third team in this, get Reggie Bullock and unprotected Dallas pick in 2030. Now, let me just say real quick, I love Reggie Bullock going to the Spurs. I, I like what the Spurs are doing over there. I think he fits well with what they're trying to do with Victor, trying to put together a decent, good team. I really like Reggie Bullock, former Piston, going to the Spurs. I think that's a good move by them. But anyways, not only did he go to the Mavs in a three-team trade where basically the, the Celtics or the Mavs are giving up a second-round pick in an, unpro- in an unprotected uh, pick swap in 2030, they only signed him to, what is it, like $12.5 million, $13 million um, a year for four years. That's a very cheap contract. And a very reasonable contract. And one, I, if you would have told me before free agency that, hey, the Pistons signed Grant Williams to four years and paying him $13 million annu- annually, I would have said, oh, that's a great deal. The Pistons actually, because I was worried that he was going to try to demand something big. Now, the argument back would be, well, would Grant Williams have accepted $13 million to come to the Detroit Pistons? We don't know. But even if you were to overpay to $16 million, $15 million, I don't think that's a big overpay, and even still, I think that's a good deal for Grant Williams. So I don't think he was once he started. I thought once he got to like eighteen, if he was going to ask for eighteen or more, that would have been way too much. I would have stayed out. But anything below sixteen million dollars, I would have done that. I would have tried to go after him. So I'm, what I'm really trying to do here, I know it comes off as this. I'm not trying to grill Troy Weaver for oh, Grant Williams is this home run free agent. You had to go get him. That's not my point. What I'm trying to say is, is that there were free agents in this free agency market. While I agree with not overpaying mid, there were some free agents that I feel like you could have got for the right value still without having to overpay crazy. That would have filled both shooting, defense, and the starting four position. And Grant Williams was one of them. All the other ones have disappeared. You didn't grab any of those ones. You didn't get, um, you didn't get Grant Williams. And now... There's no one really left. And I, I'm, I've accepted the fact that the Pistons are definitely probably not going back into free agency. But now their only real way of getting a starting four is through trade. And if they're not willing to trade Bojan, I don't know how they're going to get it. So I'm starting to believe, I believe that this there's a very good chance that this is it. This is the team. They're set on this team unless they move Killian off to a different team to give him a fresh start or something since he's out the, looks like he's out the rotation now. That's the only move I can see them doing. And it looks like that we're just betting on Isaiah Stewart being a good starting four. So everyone, I mean, that's what my guess is right now. If they're not going to move Boyan and they're unwilling to move Boyan and they're not trying to get back into free agency and they didn't want Grant Williams and they didn't want any of these other guys, if that's not something they're willing to do and they're the only way they can upgrade is through trades, how is that going to happen? So I think it's a good chance that they're just, I think it's a good chance that they're just not going to make any other moves and this could be just the team that they have. So, that's my that's my issue with the missing out in free agents, I guess, to, wrap, to come full circle. It's not the fact that I wanted them to overpay for mid. It's not the fact that I wanted them to spend $30 million on Cam Johnson. It's the fact that there were guys I felt like were on, that you could have got on quality deals that would have filled what my biggest needs for this team were. And as of right now, I still feel like a starting four and defense are major issues for this team. But it is what it is. Let me know what you guys feel about that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Hill. When we come back, Wiseman's Summer League. What should we expect to see from him in this summer league? What should we want to see from him in this summer league? We're going to talk about that when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. 
or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. James Wiseman is going to be participating in Summer League. This is his fourth year in the NBA. I don't have any problems with it. I'm just mentioning it to let everybody know. I, I've said we had a podcast when I talked about it with um with Howard Beck when I said I I don't see a problem with players want to play in summer league. I love playing basketball. Basketball's fun. If I could go play two weeks of five on five simulated refereed basketball games, I'd go do it. It's fun. I like playing basketball. I don't care if guys in their fourth, fifth, sixth. I don't care if you want to play summer league. You think it's fun and you just want to get some reps in. Go ahead. I don't care. Um, so I'm not trying to. That, I'm not mentioning that to try take a dig at Wiseman. I'm just letting everyone know. But in his fourth season, he's in summer league because he hasn't gotten a lot of reps. He hasn't had a great start to his career, and he has a lot to work on. And he, again, he, I'm gonna say it again, he needs a lot of reps. So, what do you want to see from Wiseman in this summer league? It's very clear for me. It's very clear for me. And if I do, if I see this other stuff, I'm gonna be pretty mad. I'm gonna be pretty frustrated because I really hope this isn't what they're trying to do with him. If I see them forcing post touches to him. Ain't it? That ain't the move. It just it is not the move. If they're trying to force post touches to him, it is not the move. Unless he's getting like in the obvious situations, if he's getting a switch onto a guard in a pick and roll and you feed it to him, he just abuses it real quick. Obviously like that. But if they're just going out their way to run plays for him to get post touches, not the move. Not the move. They're giving him like isolations and stuff. Not the move. Not the move. What I would like to see them use James Wiseman as, I'd like to see them get him reps in dribble handoff situations. I'd like to get him, like to see them get him reps in situations where he has to actually read and react to defenses because his processing is something that we I talked about on the podcast last or the last how many games he played like last half of the season I guess whatever last quarter of the season. His processing is not great. He if he gets the ball he's shooting it almost 100 percent of the time, no matter what the defense throws at him. He needs to get better at reading and reacting to defenses, so I'd like to see them put him in situations where he has to react to defenses and make the right read in Summer League. I'd like to see them use him as a pick-and-roll big. I, heck, I would even be fine if they tried using him as a pick-and-popper or just a guy who's faced the floor because it seems like that's something they believe in. So those areas, I'd love to see them use him in. I don't want to see isolations for James Wiseman. I don't want to see it. He doesn't need to do it. We don't need it. The Pistons don't need it. I, we don't want to see it, okay? He doesn't need post touches. The most frustrating thing about watching James Wiseman this past season when he joined the Pistons was either, I think it's probably both, Wiseman didn't know what to do on offense, and the Pistons didn't know how to use him on offense. So all it came down to doing was him just going to the paint, posting up for five seconds. Once the shot clock got low, then he came out to set a pick, and now it was bad offense. It was just like that almost every possession. So I don't need no more post-ups. And he wasn't good on the post-ups either. I believe when we last checked Synergy, it was at he was in like the twentieth percentile on post ups. Not good. Not good. It wasn't he wasn't good at post ups. That's not what the Pistons need from him. Well, I want to see from James Wiseman is to see him, you know, and, and and on defense as well. I don't know how they want to use him on defense. I have a feeling they might try to play him at the four next to Darren. So I guess they want to see how he can move his feet on the perimeter. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of pick and roll coverage they try to play him in in summer league, whether it's drop, switch, hedging, etc. Um, showing high. I, I'd like to see what they try to do with him in pick-and-roll coverage on defense. That's something I won't see, too. But on offense, just put him in dribble handoff situations. Put him in situations where he has to react to defenses, maybe short-roll situations, and make him read against help. Uh, and see if he can make that 
uh, a pass to the corner, make that pass to Duran along the baseline? Can he make these reads? And then if he is open, make the quick enough decision to score. Like, can he make those reads? That's what I want to see from him. And also, will he, is he a better outside shooter? You want to put him and, and have him space to the corner, have him space on the wing? I'm cool with that. You want him to just be a pick and roll big and use him as a lob threat? I'm cool with that as well. He's a freak athlete. Do that. And honestly, I saw some people, he mentioned this when he was asked about um, what he was going to try to do in Summer League. And I saw a lot of people were frustrated with this. And while I don't think I necessarily want to see it a lot, him getting the ball off a defensive rebound and going full court, that was like one of the things that were, was like enticing about him as a player in Golden State. And he actually did it like a few times in Detroit and it worked It worked on a few occasions. So the problem with that is, do I think he has the athleticism and the handle to do it and it's actually cool to see sometimes? Yeah, he has a nice, he has a nice touch too. So if he can go court to court, court, yeah, my goodness. One end of the court to the other, my goodness, and finish and draw fouls, that'd be cool. The problem is that his processing isn't all the way there. So if it's not open, most of the time he's just going to force it anyways instead of making the right read and kicking it out or bringing it out. So that's the problem with it. So actually, I'd be fine with them doing that in some league. If he wants to get a defensive rebound and go coast to coast, I just want to see him make the right decision, whether that's score, draw a foul, or the defense converges on him, make a kick out. Like, I'm fine with seeing that sometimes in some league. Um, And then also, I'd like to see him make the right decision on when to do it. Like, if Jane Ivey, it's transition, Jane Ivey's ready to go, Get the ball out to Jane Ivey and go. Don't hold up the break because you want to do your own thing and now you've ruined an advantage. Like, you have to make the right reads out of all of it. So, it seems like you guys will probably pick up on this. The main thing I want to see from him is him being put in positions where he has to process defenses and what to do and make quick decisions out of it because that's something he has to improve on a lot. So, that's it for me. What do you guys want to see from James Wiseman? How do you guys want to see them use him in, uh, in Summer League? And What do you guys want to see him improve on and test out in Summer League? Let me know all that comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Enjoy the Summer League games. Until next time, peace out.